You're listening to the SPE podcast. I'm Paige McCowan, and we're talking about the SPE International Robotics Competition with Fred Florence and Enrique Lasoya. Welcome, everyone. Thank you for joining us today. I want to welcome my guest today, Fred Florence. Fred is president of his own consulting company, Rig Operations, and he's a founding member of the SPE Drilling System Automation Technical Section. And Enrique Lasoya, who is a doctoral student in petroleum engineering at Texas A&M University and led a team of students to first place in the 2017 SPE DSATS Drillbotics Competition. So welcome, Fred and Enrique. Thank you for joining me. Thank you for the invitation. Thank you. Thank you for, for your time. Great. So as I said, we're going to discuss drilling automation and the SPE International Drillbotics Competition. But before we dive into the competition, um, I wanted to talk a little bit about drilling automation. Fred, you're a founding member of the DSATs and have been in the industry for more than 45 years. So can you talk a little bit about why drilling automation is so important and maybe how it's changed the discipline? A number of us were involved in uh, working with the control system, uh, control systems on a bunch of drilling rigs as things were changing mostly about 20 years ago. And, and we built supervisory control systems that allowed the driller to sit in a chair and control multiple machines, in some cases simultaneously. And, and we realized that this form of mechanization could be used in a form of automation. So the drilling machines were robots, but what we wanted to do was make the robot smarter to help the driller do his job better. And in some ways it was uh, to avoid problems. I think the biggest issue was how can we avoid making mistakes that are costly or dangerous and, and how can we improve the efficiency in some fashion? So that's where it started. Um, several people got together uh, at, a, at a, a technical conference and decided to form a group to, that became the uh, technical section, Drilling Systems Automation. And uh, that, that was really formed so that we could facilitate the, the, the introduction of automation so that we could communicate to people who were not familiar with it what it could do and what values it could bring to the industry. And it, it, it was slow to grow, but there's over a thousand members there today. And there's other section, technical sections that are using some of that automation uh, for data and modeling for everything from, from uh, managed pressure drilling to uh, automated directional drilling. And uh, I think these changes are, are more important today because of the reduction in, 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 the, in the price of oil. There's a huge drive today to be more efficient. There's uh, any cost margins are really cut very, very narrowly now because of the, of the low price. And, and so anything that the industry can do to avoid costly mistakes is really important. And uh, I, I think it's probably more so now than it was when we started. Yeah, you're right, especially in today's environment. Um, it's, it's very important. So hopefully the work that you've been doing over the years will help us get through, um, you know, what we've got ahead of us in the industry. So that that's great. Um, so let's talk about the competition. <laughs> what is Drillbotics 
And how does that competition work? How was it developed? In, in short, uh, Drillbotics is a competition for college students to design and build uh, an automated drilling rig. It's on a laboratory scale, about five or six feet tall, seven feet tall. And the idea was for them to understand what automation is and the problems of getting there. It, it started, uh, of course, with DSATs and later at, at, a, at a forum in Paris. I was talking with somebody who had a miniature rig in Austria, Gerhard Tannhauser at the uh, Montan University in, in uh, Leoben, built a mini rig to teach his students about drilling. And uh, when I saw that, I said, what if we made a competition? And walked around the room, a lot of people said it's a good idea. So we came up with this really strange name called the International Student Competition. <laughs> And then uh, John McPherson said, Fred, go find a better name. So I went to Google and I started Google potential names. I came up with something called Drillbotics. And I walked around my office and said to everybody, what is Drillbotics? I said, I don't know. And I said, well, um, what do you think it means? Well, drilling with a robot or robotic drilling or something like that. So I went out and trademarked the name and that's how we got it. Yeah, that's great. You definitely need a, a more diverse name or a more specific name than international competition. <laughs> well, our, our main purpose was to get students that were newly minted coming right out of the university that then became drilling engineers where they were not afraid of drilling automation. Uh, a lot of old folks didn't understand it. They're scared of, uh, of computerized technology in the industry which is difficult at the field level. And at, at the time that we started, we didn't have the, the technical knowledge and, and the types of hardware available that we have today. So it's, it's a lot easier to do, still difficult, but a lot easier to do and, and safer to do than it, than it was originally. And if we can get students to understand and not be afraid of it, then they're probably going to be willing to deploy it. And then the second half of that was, we want them to do research and come up with things that we can't come up with. So, so we try to challenge them, not just to build a machine, but to learn from it. And we actually score the winning team on how much they learn, not, not on what they do. It's not how fast you drill, it's not where you drill. It's what did you come up with, it's novel. It really shows what, that you've learned something that the other people haven't seen. Right. And it's kind of passing the torch to the next generation to kind of, like you said, take the automation and come up with something different and not be afraid to push it forward. Absolutely. And, yeah. and these, are, these are really smart young women, young men and women from all over the world. They, they come from every country imaginable. Uh, the, the university might be in Oklahoma, but they have people from four different teams, four different countries that are on that team. And, and so... The other thing that they had to come up with was an interdisciplinary team. So what we what we saw before was we have all these silos in the industry. We have electrical people that don't know anything about drilling. We have drilling people that don't know anything about control systems. We have people that know controls and drilling, but they might not understand how to do it in real time. And, and real time may be in the sub-second type of range. And so there's a lot of a lot of things that have to happen 
in our industry that are interdisciplinary. So we thought, let's go brainwash these guys right now so that when they come out of school, they'll fit right in and actually become leaders. Yeah, they learn to work on a team together. So Enrique, that was kind of one of the things that drew you to this competition was the interdisciplinary part of it because you were passionate about that. Is that is that one of the things that got you involved? Oh, that's correct. That's absolutely correct. Yes. So honestly, three years ago, I was starting my master's degree and I was struggling to find a project where, where I could bring my bachelor's experience because I had a bachelor's in mechatronics engineering. It's kind of robotics and automation. Um, and those those knowledge and then apply that knowledge to these new newly learned knowledge of during the master's degree, right? And that's where I found out about robotics. And it, I was instantly drawn into this project because it was the perfect fit. It was a blessing to me well, back back then. I was like, here, I could have my passions, my skills, and then bring this real live automation challenge and drilling engineering into a fun, fastly paced and collaborative competition. So it was really, 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 really nice to, to have found this this competition. So like we said, you were on uh, the winning team from 2017. Um, can you tell us about your project and um, the challenge that you had to solve? Yes, so the competition is, as Fred mentioned before, is basically come up with an autom completely autonomous and automated lab scale rig. And it only has to have two kind of use the start and stop. And honestly, just the emergency start and stop. Everything else has to be autom automated from start to the end of the drilling drilling process. And not only that, but you also need to optimize drilling. And okay, yes, optimizing ROP is one point, but you also need to worry about not breaking the drill, drill string or drill pipe that you have in there. And then you also need to worry about how can you a couple, you know, instrumentation, real-time control systems, downhole sensors, wireless transmission systems, and a little bit of uh, machine learning and dysfunction identification in real time. So that was that was quite a challenge. And we had to uh, be basically engineer and direct all the design on the electrical system, on the control systems, on the algorithms, and on the machine learning identification as well, and then bring them all together into, well, just basically for the judgment day, right? Now, at the end of the competition. <laughs> judgment day. <laughs> Well, I'm sure it was stiff competition too, because there's a lot of schools involved. And I mean, how do you know, Fred? Do you remember how many teams you would have in, you know, maybe one year or maybe the last year? How many teams? Well, we started with four, and yeah. last year there were sixteen. Oh, there you go. Yeah. So, Enrique, back to your story. Um, so, what did you learn from this competition, and how do you think it has prepared you to enter the industry? Back then, I, I was I was still very inexperienced and very afraid to go into the industry. I, don't get me wrong; I'm still very inexperienced, to be honest. <laughs> but <laughs> it really provided me a massive window into you know other disciplines within the petroleum engineering, as as Fred was 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 talking about uh, these silos, right? And on petroleum engineering, we are not usually taught carefully in the curriculum, like uh, real-time of the drilling optimization, uh, control theory, machine learning before it was thrown out everywhere, and uh, pro you know programming skills. So I had to improve the, my my prior knowledge and learn new new stuff, uh, but at a deeper level uh, to fix the issues that we were facing. Uh, then I'm pretty sure those skills will be uh, they prepare me for more more challenging technical engineering projects down the road. Uh, now. Having said that, I, I feel like the most important skills acquired through Drillbotics for both my career-wise and you know, personal growth were collaboration and team management. 
uh, without either of them, honestly, our team wouldn't have succeeded in much less and much less won that year. It's, yeah. Uh, it really taught me what to be much more collaborative. As a grad student, we are just focused on our project and we, it's a very individual kind of task. Focus on your research, get the papers out, uh, write the thesis and everything is individualized. So your success depends on you and you only. Kind of, not all the time, of course, but most of most most of your success, though. Uh, but then you go into real life, and you realize you need a team. You need a team uh, to be successful. And this, the amount of stuff that you will be able to achieve individually are not are nothing compared to what you'll be able to achieve with a good team. Uh, so I believe that you know identifying those passions and skill sets linked to different types of personalities. And in, in such a multidisciplinary team, because we had an uh, electrical engineering team, we had a mechanical engineering team, we had drill engineer, production, et cetera, as uh, students, all students from different departments. Um, and, and then we were learning from each other, right? Uh, the electrical engineer was teaching us how this, the circuit worked, and uh, we were teaching the electrical engineer what drilling was, and et cetera. So that realization that you know, keeping the team focused on the essential details of the project while respecting and encouraging their self, self-discipline and work boundaries led to huge strides on everyone's progress. And to me, that, that was and still is uh, the best lesson for robotics students and future professionals. Yeah, yeah that's great. I mean, hands-on learning especially too. Um, I'm, I'm a big proponent of that. And I think it really helps students move into the industry no matter what industry it is, with some practical application. Um, but let me ask you this. You said you were afraid to go into the industry. Um, what What's behind that? Because that's a, that's a concern, actually, that a lot of students have right now because of the cyclical nature of the industry. But what, what was your hesitation in the beginning? Uh, since I didn't have a bachelor, so I didn't have any prior knowledge on petroleum oh, okay. engineering, uh, per se, everything was new to me. And I was... I was completely unprepared for what was out there, uh, and not only that, but I did. I I went straight out from my bachelor's into a graduate graduate degree, uh, so I I didn't feel ready to you know to be faced with real life challenges, or to be competing at this level and to be uh, adding value to the petroleum engineering realm. But this definitely helped prepare you. Absolutely, yes, it yeah. did. Are you considering becoming an SPE member? When you join SPE, you join a society of dedicated professionals just like you, working to address the technical challenges of the global oil and gas industry. SPE membership gives you the opportunity to make local and global connections and build a network of influential technical leaders from every discipline. Learn more at spe.org slash join. So Fred, tell us a little bit about how the competition has evolved um, over the years. We started off uh, with a competition that was very limited. We had a, a single block of sandstone cut in half with a sliver of marble stuck in the middle. And we told people, go build a rig, sit it on top of this thing and dig a hole through it. Oh yeah. And we gave them a piece of spaghetti pipe. So if they tried to muscle their way through it, the pipe would break. We provided the bit for them to use. And they all came up with different concepts of how to do it, and all of them failed. Everyone had the pipe vibrate into or buckle or some other type of failure. 
everyone failed. And that was great because you learn from failure. And the next year, only one team failed. And so we, we, we changed the pipe a little bit to, to give them a fighting chance, but we still knew that they would have to understand the physics of what they were doing. Uh, and we wouldn't tell them. We'd give them a couple of references, but they had to figure most of it out on their own. Uh, I might back up a little bit and say the way that the competition is structured is in the fall term, the teams produce a design report. There is no, no physical rig, it's just a design. And they have to send that by New Year's Eve. And in January, the, the, the judging committee reviews those and selects finalists. And the finalists then, then build a rig in the spring. And then at the end of the spring term in, in May or June, uh, judges would go to the schools and witness them drill. And then the judges would get together afterwards and pick the winning teams. And the prize was always a chance to get a paper published at an SPE conference. It evolved into the program committee of the SPE uh, IADC drilling conference, giving us a permanent slot for a paper. And then we also flew the team and their, their supervisor to the conference, wherever that was, and paid their way there. So they, they come out of school with a publication on their resume and a lot of, a lot of experience. So that, that was the prize. Well, anyway, we kept making it harder and harder. Of course, they all figured out what to do, so we had to make it harder. So I started making the rock in my garage, and I used different types of materials at, at various angles. In, in the drilling world, we call it formation dip, and we had a huge formation dip of 45 degrees or more. And they had to be able to drill through this hands-free, and they had to recognize you're going from hard to soft or soft to something else. And what should be the optimal drilling parameter as you go through this new rock? Well, they had to find out ways to do that autonomously. And so one of the things that the team from A&M did is they, they looked at vibration signatures as they were drilling different types of rock, and they decided based on what we see, based on what we can measure, we believe we're in one type of formation. And when they saw, when they saw different vibrations, they said, all right, we're now in a different formation. And so what they were able to do was to change the parameters quickly during the transition. When half of the bit is on one type of rock and the other side of the bit is on, on a different strength rock. And they were able to do that in, in real time. And it was really amazing. And, and that's the kind of things that in the industry, when we are drilling with an auto driller, it may take too long for the auto driller to recognize we're in a different formation. And so some of the things that they come, came up with, in my opinion, are patentable. So it's, it's really, it's a research project. It's not a science project. So we, we kept giving them harder formations. I guess the hardest was the one, the time that I put the piece of rubber mat in the bottom of it. And when they drilled into the rubber, it just kind of got everything to stick like, like drilling tar in the Gulf of Mexico. It's, it's, most of the folks were pretty surprised and almost upset with me, but <laughs> they, they also were able to drill it. So that was good. And then we started into a, a harder challenge, and that was hands-free directional drilling. So the first year was go down a certain depth, kick off, and see how much angle you can build in this direction. And they didn't have a specific target. It was just 
make it as, build as fast as you can. And then eventually, of course, we gave them a target. And then last year we had it all set up to have two targets. So they had to drill down through a point. They had to drill down, make a turn, go through a point, make turns to go through a different point. So true directional drilling. And all of this, this was a six foot tall drilling rig. Oh, meanwhile, you've got to make sure that you don't burn the bit. You've got to have the right kind of lubrication. You got to make sure you don't damage the pipe. Oh, the electronics. By the way, the electronics are getting cooled <laughs> by water. Electronics don't like water. So they had to learn how to make and seal downhole sensors and things like that. Again, it's a research project, not a science project. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it's tremendous what they have accomplished. They are young men and women, but because I'm an old guy, sometimes I refer to them as the kids. And when I hear <laughs> when I hear people my age in the industry tell me what we can't do, I say, don't worry, we'll give it to the kids and they'll show you how. Yep, absolutely. <laughs> so you mentioned patents. Have there been any patents that have come out of any of these projects that you know of? Enrique, what's the what's an update from A and M? Oh, yes, yes, actually. Oh, we submitted a patent application in 2019, last year, and it's still pending. Uh, but hopefully we'll get it, we'll get it granted. Yeah, That's it was, awesome. It's related to this uh, formation identification uh, process that we, oh, we That's amazing. With. That's amazing. I mean, yeah, that is a big prize, right? Coming out of school with papers and patents and, um, you know, that really puts you ahead of the competition out there. <laughs> there, there's a team from Germany, University of Klausthal. Uh, they are in an area where there's a lot of geothermal drilling, a lot of hard, hard rock. And they came up with a, a, a different type of bit. It's a percussion type bit, a hammer drill, if you will. And, and they are been working with the company now. I don't know if it'll be their patent, but I think that that company may actually build their design. There's a, a team from Norway that came up with, with a bit that it looks like there's a Norwegian company that uh, is, it is going to manufacture the bit according to their design. So it's, uh, you know, you got electrical and mechanical engineers designing bits. I mean, there's all kinds of crazy things that happen on these teams. Yeah, no, it's, uh, but it's good though, because that's, you know, that's what you have to do when you get out in the real, real world, right? Exactly. Work with teams. And, you know, I, we talk a lot about, um, um, I work with the energy education program at SPE and I get a lot of questions about, you know, what, what is the industry looking for in a student or in a graduate? And everybody that I've talked to or anybody that I've interviewed said, yeah. you've got to solve problems. Yeah. You know, you've got to be able to take the information and come up with um, an answer to it. So this is this is a great learning experience, I think. Well, I remember in one of the first years when in the middle of the competition, we changed the size of something and they all complained. And I said, well, we, we build iron roughnecks and pipe handlers for a certain size drill pipe. And then all of a sudden, the people that manufacture drill pipe come up with one that's a different size. We have to deal with it. Yeah. So here's their instructions. Deal with it. And they yeah. did. And it is. <laughs> no, this is great. I love it. 
Much of the work of the Society of Petroleum Engineers is accomplished by members. Become a volunteer and use your knowledge and experience to influence SPE programs and activities. As a volunteer, you can enhance your leadership skills while meeting and working with other SPE members from across the globe. There are many opportunities to get involved, regardless of your experience, location, or experience level. To learn more about the League of Volunteers, visit spe.org volunteer. So, you know, with what's happened over the past, oh my gosh, it's only been like five months. Um, what, Fred, what is the impact of COVID-19 on the competition? Well, it, it, was, it was devastating for us in 2020. So the 2019-2020 season was devastating because the students were not allowed to meet. Uh, they couldn't meet in person uh, in school. They couldn't go into a lab um, because of the need for social distancing. And so it was just impossible for them to, uh, to do that. In addition, most of their classes were canceled and they began to use uh, remote school of some form, some remote classes of some form. And so that was traumatic for them, just that one change. We looked at how we might be able to do the test remotely, but we recognized how much pressure we were putting on the students over and above what they already had. And so we decided to pull the plug. So we did cancel the 2020 competition. Oh, that's too bad. So what's, what's the plan for moving forward? Uh, as we go forward, uh, we've, we've had some preliminary meetings to, to write the guidelines for the 2020-2021 competition. Uh, we, we initially assumed that none of the schools could meet. And so we talked about having a virtual competition only. But we've had some, some schools from, uh, from uh, predominantly from Europe and, and one from, from the United States that says they can meet and they would like to have a fiscal rig competition as well. For the 2019-2020 competition, we, we recognized that uh, this, some schools could not afford the $10,000 charge cost that it often took to, to build one of these miniature rigs. And so we decided, give them a chance. Let's let them build a virtual rig. And so people did the research, had to understand how these different drilling machines worked and had to model each of those machines and then model the control system to control them, to, to model some kind of downhole formation and where the bottom hole assembly could react to that formation. And then they had to be able to drill a directional well. But it's all done virtually. And unfortunately, we, we had to pull the plug on the 2020s competition because of the virus. And so we didn't see the, the end results, but some of them had made some really good progress. As we, as we move to 2020, 2021 competition, I'm just gonna call it the 2021 competition, we'll probably go with, with a, uh, a virtual design. It may be identical, a couple of fine-tuned points on the guidelines from, from last year, so it may be that they do the exact same thing and build a, a, a virtual rig. Uh, and we'll meet in the next, the committee will meet in the next two to three weeks to try to determine what that will be. We do have some, some, uh, some schools from Europe, one from the United States that can meet in person at the lab and they would like to continue with the mechanical rig. And we'll see if we can accommodate that, how they can, uh, have that done at, at where the testing is done either 
remotely or virtually or, or something that could be done next next spring. So there's there's a couple of things for us to work out. So it, can teams still sign up for it or has the deadline passed for signing up for the 2021 competition? No, and we, we haven't even put the registration on the website yet. Our goal each year is generally to have the guidelines finished in July to August where they can have the guidelines the, the first week of September when most of them return to school. And uh, we give them a couple of months to, to register. Oh, that's good. And so people who are interested can go to drillbotics.com yes. to see that information and sign up if they want to, if they haven't already. Right. There, um, there's, not a, there's not a form to sign for this year's competition. There, there will be shortly. Uh, the blog that's there will tell you the latest news. Well, this is so exciting. Um, I love, like, like I said, I love the hands-on learning and the practical experience. Um, Enrique, is there anything you can uh, give any kind of uh, advice for teams that are signing up for the competition coming up or that are interested in it? If they decided to sign up, uh, they should start getting their team members now and just go on the website and sign for it. It's They're not going to regret it. That's great. Well, Enrique Fred, I really appreciate you being with us today and telling us about this competition. Um, I think it's very um, timely and it will um, help a lot of students out there who are looking for something to get some hands-on experience. I'd, I'd like to say one thing is uh, a, lot of, a lot of people have heard of the program and they look at our committee and what we might be doing. But what I really want to do is recognize the large number of people who've made this happen. It, it's not just four or five people on a program committee. It's, it's, it's really dozens and dozens of people along the way. It, it's people who have given their time to be on one of the, the design committees of, of the program, writing the guidelines. Others who were judges that have flown around the world to, to judge the competition. Some of the people who have recruited new schools uh, and just because they thought the program was nice and their alums that said, I believe my school has a good competition. They had a chance to compete here. We want to give them a chance. And they've recruited some really good teams. People who have worked within DSATs to keep the program funded. Now SPE is funding the program to a large extent. There's, and then the number of people and the number of hours that go on in the background to make all these things it seemed invisible to everyone else. It is a tremendous effort by SPE and DSATs and, and other technical sections, DUPTS and uh, Wellborn Certainty. Without all these individuals, this program wouldn't be what it is. And I, I really want to thank everyone. Yeah, that's a good point. Thank you, Fred. I appreciate it. So again, thank you, Fred Enrique, for being with us today. And we hope to spread the good news about Drillbotics and how it can help uh, drilling students. Thank you, Paige. Absolutely. Thank, thank you. you for inviting us. Thank you. Let's keep the conversation going. Use the hashtag SPE podcast on all your social media to reach out and leave comments and reviews. We'd love hearing from you. You can find SPE Podcasts wherever you get your podcasts. Search SPE Podcast on iTunes, Spotify, and TuneIn. We're also online at spe.org slash podcasts. I'm Paige McCowan. Thank you for listening. <laughs>